What's up, gang? Y'all doing all right this morning? Yeah, you want to talk to me a little bit today? Yeah, how about that? So if you're here in the room, here's what I want you guys to do. Uh, there's a lot of people watching online. Do you guys just mind taking a second to say hey and welcoming them? What's up, gang, if you're watching online? I got a couple specific, a couple specific people. I told Liz, uh, I know y'all don't know who Liz is, but Liz, you better be watching. And Jordan, both of you. If, you, if you're watching, leave a comment. Let us know that you're actually here. Somebody's gonna check it out and respond, I hope. And if they don't, leave another comment saying how you wish somebody responded. But, um, right, uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna have an awesome time this morning. Uh, this week, we are starting a new series called Facts. Facts, y'all. Um, man, we use the word facts different than we used to. You know what I'm saying? Now, when you say facts, does anybody know how you use the word facts these days? Yeah, no? Are you confused that there's even another way now? Are some of you like, there's another way to say facts? This always happens to me, I never know. I'm the last to find out. Yeah, like when, some, when somebody says something that you really agree with, you just say facts. Somebody's like, LeBron James is the goat, facts. Sorry, that's just, I believe it, man. So when somebody says something that you really believe, you say facts. Facts are something, or any statement of absolute truth, right? Something you can prove, something that you know to be true is a fact. So we're gonna spend a few weeks exploring the nature of God. We wanna share a few facts, a few things about God and who he is. Because we believe it's important to understand God a little bit better. So we wanna help you guys do that in this series. Y'all cool with that? All right, remember, y'all gotta talk to me, okay? Don't leave me up here by myself. I'm weird, y'all seen me a lot lately, I know. So like, you know the drill, you know what I'm saying? There's high, high expectations this Sunday. So. Uh, I wanna talk about one specific aspect of God today. I wanna to talk about how God is strategic. God is strategic. This week has been proof that God is strategic. So it's been a wild week getting ready for this message. And the amount of times that this message has come up in conversation with people has been kind of insane. So God has a plan because he's strategic. Romans 8 tells us that God works all things for our good, for the good of those who, are called, who love the Lord and are called according by his name. And we like the good, but we don't always like the work part. It says he's working things for our good. And we're like, man, I want something good, but I don't wanna wait for God to be working it. And if things aren't good right now, maybe God's working. Maybe God's doing something. Because we know that he promises that he's gonna work things for our good. We don't like the work. The work is hard. The work takes patience. The work takes participation. It's up to us to pitch in sometimes to do what God's asking us to do. And it takes faith to believe that he's positioning things for your good. It takes obedience. Today, I wanna show you that God is strategically working things. And if there's one thing, if there's one thing I want you to take away from this, if I don't know how many of you guys take notes, but if you were gonna take notes, this is one of the things I would want you to write down. It's God's job to be strategic. It's our job to be obedient. You hear that? But how often do we wanna be the ones with the strategy? How often do we wanna be the ones that like, well, God, how about you work it out like this, you know? How about you send me this kind of job so I can buy this kind of car, so I can live in that kind of house and I can have these kind of friends, you know? If it, God, if you would just do this and this, like do X, Y, and Z, then everything else would just fall into place. Like, I know you got a plan, you're doing some things, but like, Yo, I've come up with something pretty good. 
you know? How often do we want to be strategic? But it's our job to be obedient. By the end of this service, I hope that some of you feel motivated, inspired, sure. Um, it's important to be inspired. It's important to be, to be motivated. But here's what we're being motivated for. Motivated and inspired to be obedient. That's the hard part of that statement. To do the hard things, the things that don't come naturally, the things that aren't as intuitive. That we'll allow God to speak loudly and clearly to us about how we participate in the working part, not just the good part. Joshua 1 uh, we're gonna start at verse one. We're gonna read a little bit of this story today. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan. Jordan, that's for you, bro. Remember? Leave a comment, dog. Sorry. Um, I get distracted real easily. So cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every piece where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead the people, these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. So this is what's going on here. 40 years before this, Moses led, it was about 600,000 men, including their families. So that's just like fighting age men, right? So we're talking about also children, women, uh, uh, the elderly. There, there's probably well over 2 million people in this group that he led out of Egyptian slavery 40 years earlier. God promised that they would move out of Egypt and into this land where they would thrive. And now for 40 years, it doesn't feel like they've been thriving. They've been wandering the desert aimlessly. God promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. They got a lot of dirt. That's what they got. You guys know any dirt farmers? That's what these guys are right now. They're just dirt farmers. When I was in eighth grade, you know, I like to tell stories, so... When, uh, it's, uh, when I was in eighth grade, I played drums. I mean, I still play drums, but I played drums when I was eighth grade too. And uh, sorry, I don't know why I said that. So, uh, and uh, anyway, so I played drums and I was getting pretty good. And my dad thought, you know, it's time for him to have a decent drum set because the drum set I'd been playing was garbage. So uh, my dad decided, he, he told me, I'm gonna get you something really nice, like a respectable drum set you can actually get good on. And, uh, and I wanna get you this drum set soon. That was the eighth grade, remind you. It might have been the summer before eighth grade, but uh, I got that nice drum set after I graduated high school. <laughs> yeah, I remember it, man. That, I still have that set. That thing is awesome. And it's not ridiculous to think I'm gonna wait four or five years to buy something like something this nice, this expensive. Like it's not unheard of. It's, not, like, it's totally reasonable. But in the mind of eighth grader Nate, the word soon and the words in four or five years are very different. So God told the Israelites, it had gotten to one point, to the point where actually when dad told me, uh, like, hey, start picking out the drum set you want. I was like, oh, are we gonna get it soon? <laughs> like, whatever, you know, and we did, we did get it within like a few months of that, but um, 
So anyways, God told the Israelites that he's taken them out of Egypt and into the land of promise, and now they've been around in the desert for 40 years. So he tells Joshua, he's telling them, get ready for the promised land. And Joshua's probably like, oh, the one we're gonna get soon, you know? The one we've been waiting 40 years for? This promised land, at this point, sounds too good to be true. And, uh, and we get skeptical about things that are too good to be true. Imagine this. Imagine someone walks up to you while you're pumping gas, and they just are like, hey, I just wanna give you $1,000. I talked to Michael Liebel earlier this week about this, and Pastor Michael, he said, uh, he was like, bro, take it and run. <laughs> I was like, That's, uh, like, some people might do that, like some nice, normal people. But honestly, most of us aren't that nice, normal people. Most of us are gonna be really skeptical. We're gonna be like, what do you want me to do for this? Like, where did you get, did you steal this? Am I gonna go to jail for this? Like, if I take this $1,000, I've, I've literally asked that question when somebody's tried to give me something. Like, am I gonna get in trouble for this? I get real skeptical. So what if God told you, get ready, I'm gonna give you a country, an entire country. I just bought a house a year ago. I don't even know what I'm doing with it. Imagine me with a country, bro. That country would have a sick shoe game, though, you know? But what it, like, I'd probably be asking, like, what do, you, what do you want me to do for it? Am I gonna go to jail for this? I'd be asking the same questions. I'd be super skeptical. But this was the promised land. This was the place that, God would, that God's people would thrive, where they would live in freedom. God was working something out here. This was the working. We hadn't got to the good yet for these, some of these people. They were still living in the working. And it's gonna take some participation, some obedience from Joshua. He's gotta have some faith. God even laid out what the first step was. He told them they're gonna cross the Jordan River. So uh, y'all do me a favor. I like doing this. I do this almost every time I preach. Look around the room. Don't look at me and call that looking around the room. Like actually look around the room for a second. How many people do you think are in here? Anybody have a guess? You can say it out loud. Don't be scared. Anybody? Did you say 280? That's probably pretty close. There's probably around 300 people in this room right now. And then I'll mind you, there's a lot of kids in the back too. So um, if we did what they're talking about doing, we have a few hundred people plus the kids in the back. If we all went down to like the Fox River and walked across the Fox River and not walked across right now while it's like kind of chill and we haven't got rain in a while, I'm talking about after all the snow melts in the middle of May and it's rushing everywhere, while the water is the fastest, the Bible tells us that this, uh, that right now when they're about to cross the Jordan River, that it's at its flood stages, that it's wider, it's deeper, it's faster than usual. If we did it, we'd probably have about 400 people going. Joshua had a couple of million people doing this. I'd be scared taking the 400 people in this building. He's got two million people that he's gotta get across this river. And they don't have a nice boat, they don't have a nice bridge, he must have immediately started stressing. He's probably started thinking about how difficult it's gonna be, how all these people are gonna get, a safe, get across safely. Probably started weighing the risks. Like some people are gonna get hurt. We might lose somebody. Somebody might die in the middle of this while we're trying to cross this river that God sent us to. But God tried to ease the stress a little bit. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Just reminding him like, I'm gonna be there, dog. Don't sweat it. 
But how many of us have a river to cross? We've got a problem that seems stronger than us, something's moving faster than us, something's deeper than we have the height for. There's a river in front of us that God's calling us to cross. This is the part of the message that's kind of difficult for me. I've been thinking about this all week and stressing a little bit about this part of the message. Because I know some of the rivers, like specifically and intimately know some of the rivers that some of the people in this building have to cross. And I'm supposed to stand up here and look people in their face and encourage them and inspire and remind them to be obedient when they're hopeless, when they're weak, while they're broken. And I have to deliver this to people who have had kids die recently. I have to deliver this to people who have been struggling this decade-long battle in their marriage and they feel like it's at, their, at the end and they don't know what to do next. And I've gotta tell this to the same person that called me this week to tell me about how since her husband died, and she's young, and since her husband died a few months ago and her kids have graduated and they're moving on with their life, how she feels hopeless and she feels worthless. And we've got other empty nesters that have been without kids for a while, that are wondering, still trying to figure out where their purpose is, and are sick of just floundering. And we've got people who their kids have left God and they don't know how to reach them anymore. Like I know some of the rivers that we have to face. I've talked to the guy that put everything into his business that God was building, that did awesome and had to shut it down this year. Like I know the rivers that we have. And then I have to follow that with reminding you that God's challenging us to be obedient with our time and our talent and our treasure, with our attitudes, with our hearts, with our trust in him. But that's exactly what he wants because it's God's job to be strategic and it's our job to be obedient. That the problems and the fights and all the details, that's up to God. It's our job to be obedient. We've got some rushing, and water, rushing water in front of us and it's deep and it's wide and it's treacherous. And people are thinking, God wants me to walk right into this. He wants me to, like, the promised land sounds awesome, but what I gotta go through to get there, God wants me to walk right into this. This is gonna kill me. This is gonna kill everybody that walks into this thing with me. But God says, I'm here. He's like, don't you remember? This group of people, the Israelites, 40 years earlier, God used a cloud to keep an entire army from reaching them that wanted to kill them. And then the next day opens a, a, an entire sea. We're talking about a river right now, the Fox River, the Jordan River. 40 years ago, these people remember when God opened a sea so that they could make a way, so that they could get out, so that they could get away from the people that were chasing them. God's like, don't you remember? Some of us forget things. We've seen incredible miracles. God led you to a job you love. God saved you from an abusive relationship. God gave you the first community of people that actually loved you. 
than that cared about you. He healed you. He saved you. And now you're scared to do the things that God's asked of us next. Because next is crossing a river that's faster and it's deeper and it's more difficult than the things we saw in the past. And sometimes we just forget. But I wanna remind you, God didn't bring you this far just to bring you this far. Did y'all hear that? Does anybody else need to hear this? God didn't bring you this far just to bring you this far. God's given you a next step and he's not gonna leave you, he's not gonna abandon you, he's not gonna let you drown in the river that he sent you to. Now, I'm not suggesting we go find our own rivers, okay? I'm not talking about jumping in some random river God never sent you to, picking a fight that you were never meant to fight. I'm not talking about going to making trouble, creating your own problems. But the one that God is sending you to, the river that he sent you to, the challenge that's in front of you that he's put in front of you is important. So God told Joshua to be strong and courageous. And then the next verse, literally, it's the last sentence he told him was to be strong and courageous. The next verse, he immediately says it again. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, the book of the law that he's referring to is the law that they were uh, required to follow, the law of Moses, what they call it, 613 rules, the very specific, very strict guidelines that they had. And the law included things like not eating pork, uh, not wearing clothes that were made of like mixed fabrics, when and how you should make sacrifices, stuff like that. And uh, a lot of these laws were really important for a lot of different reasons. And these were the same laws that Jesus was subject to whenever he was on earth. And there's some questions about whether or not we in this day and age still have to follow uh, these law, the law of Moses. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, and this is, I just wanna talk about that for just a second, but I've got somewhere I'm going, okay? There's some, uh, Matthew 5, Jesus said that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He fulfilled the law that we were required to follow. And once the law was accomplished, it was then powerless, and then in Matthew 12, I feel like one of those is supposed to be Mark, and I wrote it down wrong. Um, when Jesus was asked what the most important law is, he said, to God, he said to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he added a second law, to love your neighbor as yourself. The law of Moses had been fulfilled by Jesus, and we were left with these rules that Jesus gave. We'll just call it the law of Jesus. To love people and love God. Now, that's not the detailed, exhaustive breakdown of every commandment that Jesus left us with, but it covers all of them. Everything he said falls under that. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So God is talking to Joshua about the law of Moses, and that doesn't make this passage obsolete. As a matter of fact, this passage tells us something very specific about the nature of of God, the nature of which of, with, of God is completely unchanging. God does not change. We change a lot. We, we make a lot of crazy moves and mistakes and we change a lot over our lifetime, but God does not change. He's telling us 
if we stay connected to him. The law of Moses was the message and the connection between God and his people. But now we have direct contact with God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. God is talking to Joshua about our obedience and connection. God's saying, if we can't stay connected with him, if we don't turn away to the right or to the left, if we listen and obey when he speaks, his promises will follow. But here's the hard time, or the hard part. Uh, God's promises come with God's principles. God's promises always come with God's principles. He wants us, like the Israelites, to move forward towards the promises and principles that he set for us. We want God's promises to bless us and strengthen us and to give us peace, to work things for our good, to deliver, deliver us from our trouble, but we don't always like the principles. That's the part we're a little more picky about. We wanna do things our way, ignoring principles and hope that God still gives us a few of the promises. We're so focused and nervous about the outcome that we forget sometimes this is a process. And I just wanna tell you something. The product does not always resemble the process. The product does not always resemble the process. A loaf of bread does not look a lot like a stalk of wheat. You see what I'm saying? The product does not always resemble the process. But So why do we resist these principles? I have a theory. Uh, in Joshua 1.9, God says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged for the Lord will be with you wherever you go. Here's my theory. Some people think that we're short-sighted. I don't think that we're like that short-sighted, not all of us. We know that if we apply his principles, eventually we'll probably start seeing his promises. We might get impatient. That's not the same as short-sighted, okay? We might get impatient, but deep down we know it takes time. We gotta get through the working sometimes. We know that. And some people think that we're just super proud. I don't think we're that proud, at least not all of us, okay? Most of us don't really think we know better than God. Not most of us. Some of you might, okay? But most of us, we don't really think we know better than God. If we just listen and follow, he's got a better plan than we do. I think, this is why God addressed this specifically, I think we are afraid and discouraged. In our hearts, I think we're saying, I would do the things you've asked, but what if there's resistance? What if people don't like it? What if my friends treat me different? What if my husband or my wife dislikes that version of me? And we're afraid of what might happen. Or our hearts are saying, I would try to live like you want, but I'm probably gonna make mistakes. I'm probably gonna go take a wrong turn. I'm probably gonna slip into my old habits. I'm probably gonna lose my patience. I'm probably gonna freeze up. I'm gonna screw this up. It's too hard to succeed. I can't do it, so why even try? And we're discouraged. The river is too deep. It's too wide. It's too violent. It's too cold. It's too fast. Joshua must have been a lot like us because God had to say it for a third time. Haven't I already told you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. I imagine Joshua asked the same questions we asked. What if it's dangerous? And God said, don't be afraid. I got this. And Joshua says, What if we get over there and we get lost? We wander around for another 40 years. 
And God says, don't be discouraged, man. Like, I got this. Joshua needs to know that all we have to do is be obedient and God will be strategic. God will handle the details, he'll handle the obstacles, he'll handle the setbacks because he's the only one that knows the destination. He just needs his people to start moving forward. And then he tells Joshua, wherever you go, I'll be there. Not when you're doing it perfect, I'll be there. Not whenever you finally get it right, I'll be there. Wherever you go, I'll be there. I think some of us need that same message. He's telling us, wherever you go, I'll be there. I got this. And there will be people that don't like my decision to do what God wants because it's not what they want. I'm gonna have to change my schedule a little bit, make sacrifices to spend time in the Bible, to spend time with his people. I'm gonna have distractions. I'm gonna make mistakes. I'm gonna make big mistakes. I'm gonna screw this up and God will still be there. And he says, I got this. But it's up to us. It's up to us to commit to him. The next couple of verses go on to say, so Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Get ready, because we're moving. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan River here to go in and take possession of the land your God is giving you for your own. God's promises are on the other side of that river. God's victory is on the other side of that river. God wants us to cross here. God wants us to cross right here to take possession of the things he's promised us. To take possession of what he has for us. But his challenge is to commit. Are you willing to go towards the river and commit to his principles? Committing to him and surrendering from our own plans. Even when we make mistakes, which we'll do, he'll be there. Even when we run up against resistance, he'll be there. Even when we get lost, he'll be there. Proverbs tells us that God will direct our steps and make our paths straight. God is being strategic. And what he needs from us is to be obedient and start crossing that river, even if we're afraid, even if we're discouraged, to put that aside because he's got this. Would you guys bow your heads with me? I wanna take this moment with you guys to give some of you the opportunity to take your first step. Some people in here, some people online are feeling like it's finally time to give God a chance. This is potentially the biggest moment of your life, of your eternity. If you're in this room and you wanna make that decision to be strong and courageous, if you're online and you wanna make that decision to be strong and courageous and you're ready to give your life to God, I want you to raise your hand right now. I want you to leave a comment and let us know in the comments online. 
if you're ready to make that decision. Okay, I see you. Is there anybody else? I'll give you a second. Some of us have been afraid and discouraged for too long. And it's time to be strong. I see you, buddy. Now, those of you that raise your hands, we're gonna say a prayer together. And there's nothing special about raising your hand in this room. There's nothing special about saying a few words after me, but there is something really special about meaning it in your heart. So when we say this prayer, it's important that it comes from your heart. And this is a personal decision, but it's not a lonely decision. Here at Pathways, we pray together because we wanna encourage and support each other on this journey. So everybody in this room, I'm gonna ask that you pray after me and people that are watching online, I'm gonna ask that you pray after me. Say, Heavenly Father, Thank you for your love. I repent of my sin. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Come into my life. I receive you by faith. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody in here said amen. Thank you guys so much. How about celebrating for the people that just made that decision today for the first time?